You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. I grew up with a young lady uh, that was so gifted, uh, had so much musical talent, uh, super intelligent, loved the Lord, uh, would serve the Lord in any way uh, that she could. She ended up going to Bible college and and, uh, did exceptionally well there, really uh, learned uh, uh, Greek and and Hebrew, went on to get some advanced degrees, ended up becoming a, a a professor at a Christian college and she went back to the church that we grew up in and she asked that she be ordained into ministry and and they told her no and, and this hurt her and, and it hurt me because I knew that this church ordained me even though she was so much more uh, talented and had education and she probably knew more Greek and Hebrew than they did Uh, But it seemed like they wouldn't ordain her simply because of her anatomy. And it's a story that I hear time and time again. And it's a story that's leading us to the question that we have today is, is God sexist? Today we're starting a series called Asking for a Friend. We're we're talking about questions that you've asked us directly or indirectly. And and the question that we're looking at today is, is a pretty emotional question because we know that women have been mistreated uh, in the church and they've been treated harshly at times. And, and so when we, when we consider that and then there's some passages in the Bible that, that make us feel a little uncomfortable, that make us say, hmm, you, you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 17, it says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife. A male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's nice to know that all of these things belong to a man, right? His wife is ranked somewhere between his house and his servants, ox and donkeys. Passages like that make you say, hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 20 to 21. If a woman is not a virgin at the time of her marriage, she is to be stoned. Yet there's not the same rule for a man. Judges 19 and 20, we see a Levite who was confronted by a mob of men and he throws out his concubine to be gang raped. And she ends up dying. Why were Jesus' 12 disciples all male? Why weren't there any females that were part of his inner circle? And how about Paul's words? Women be silent, not to teach men to be submissive to their husbands. And so this has led to the question, is God sexist? But as we study the Bible, I think we must remember that just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that God endorses everything that's in it. And what I mean by that, God doesn't endorse sin. And sometimes in the Bible we see recorded history, things that are taking place. The Bible is a collection of stories and letters and poems that help us understand who God is, what God has done, and what He is doing. The Bible is a narrative that shows us His mission and the identity of God. The Bible deals with the past, 
the present and the future, and it's relatable and relevant regardless of culture. Throughout the Bible, there are numerous positive images of women in the Old Testament. First of all, if you look in Genesis chapter 1, we, we see at creation, Genesis 1 it says, So God created human beings in His own image. The image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Women are made in the image of God. Women are reflections of God on earth. Women are signposts pointing to God. If you keep on looking, we see several examples of, of women in the Bible. Miriam was a well-known prophetess, uh, well-regarded. Uh, Deborah was a judge. She was a leader. and greatly to, uh, She was someone that we greatly admire. We look at Hoda, uh, a prophetess in 2 Kings. We think about Hannah, and, and I think about her humility and her great strength. Now, Ruth and Esther have their own books and, and women that we greatly admire and can learn from. Joel explicitly emphasized that when God poured out His Spirit, when, uh, His Spirit, women as well as men would prophesy. Joel uh, chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. At the second coming of Jesus, the church is represented as the bride of Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus his disciples come across Jesus one time having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. John 4.27 says, Just then his disciples came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? See, what Jesus was doing was against the cultural norm of the time. He was talking to a woman by himself. Not only that, but a foreign woman. Jesus not only talked to female strangers, but he had, he had female disciples. In a culture where the idea of women traveling around with a group of men or having a status of a disciple was seriously questionable, Jesus had a number of women who were included in his circle, who, continued, uh, who, who contributed financially to the needs of the group. You look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38, we read that Mary sits at his feet and it engages in a theological study. We look at Mary's sister, Martha, who ends up, Jesus ends up revealing a huge theological statement saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, John eleven twenty five. In contrast to the cultural norms, Jesus made a habit of revealing great spiritual truths to women. And we must not underestimate how radical that is, that Jesus was turning cultural taboos on their heads by teaching women and allowing them to be His disciples. Amy Orr Ewing, in a great article called, Isn't the Bible Sexist?, points out further that Jesus often used female imagery while teaching. For example, the parable of the mending of the garment, an everyday image from the female spear is coupled with a parable of the wine, making of wine an everyday image from the male spear in Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus follows a parable about a shepherd searching for a lost sheep with one about a woman searching for a lost coin. Get this, God is depicted as a woman down on her hands and knees searching through her house for a coin. 
And there's a group of women at the cross that hears Jesus' final words. A group of women who witness his resurrection. See, what Jesus is doing is radical and countercultural. When we look in the at the early church, we see women doing ministry from Lydia to Tabitha to Philip's daughters to Juna. Women who were teachers and deacons and church leaders and, and, and prophets. But some of you are saying, Ronnie, what about Paul's teaching? It, it seems sexist. Women be silent, not to teach, to submit to their husband. But remember, when we're studying Scripture, we must always consider the context. It's dangerous when we pull out a few verses and build a theological argument around them. With these verses that are in question, what do we do with these? Well, first of all, Paul himself gives guidelines for women when they publicly prophesy and also affirms women to teach like Priscilla. Could it be that Paul is addressing an issue that a specific church is having and not making a universal mandate. I, I want you to chew on that. I, I want you to look through the scriptures that, that show women doing various things in scripture. And, and, and when we look at that, you don't need me to do that. I, I gave you a list of a few scriptures in our next steps today. But I would encourage you to study Scripture and look through the passages. And, and you see one passage that says one thing, and then you see another that says another thing. And, and I want you to wrestle with that. that. That's something that we want to do as a church. We want to study Scripture, and we want to look at that. And so when I'm reading through Scripture, I, I'm led to the conclusion that God is not sexist. Now, have some churches uh, been sexist? Yes. And I'm truly sorry if you've been one of those women that have been hurt by the church. But I want you to know that God loves you, that He's crazy about you, that you are made in God's image. And we are reminded that when we come to the foot of the cross, we, even though God has made us different, we are made so special that God is so crazy about us that we're all one in the body, that we have all these gifts and talents, and that God can use us in a wide variety of different ways. 